tuning in to this uh, worship service from First Baptist. Thank you. I'm so excited to share the Word of God with you today. We're in the book of Philippians, so if you have your Bible, grab it and open it with me to the book of Philippians chapter 4. Uh, I had the privilege of reading the autobiography of Congressman John Lewis, who recently died. You'll remember not only was he a congressman from Georgia for many years, but he was also one of the most iconic leaders of the civil rights movement of the 1960s. He was the one that led the march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge and was viciously beaten. He was the first freedom rider that was beaten during those years of protest and, and fighting segregation and so on. But in his autobiography, he tells about an incident that took place when he was four years old. Growing up in the country area of, of Alabama, uh, he had a couple of older brothers and his sister and one day they were playing with all of their cousins on their uncle and aunt's farm or they were they were sharecroppers if you will and there were about 15 kids out in the front yard playing that day and and he said all of a sudden the sky started getting dark and the wind started blowing and off in the distance they could see you know bright streaks of lightning and as they continued playing the storm got worse the clouds got bigger and darker and the wind started picking up even more and the lightning got closer and eventually Eventually it got so bad that, that his aunt Seneva got all those 15 kids from the front yard into her little house. It was a small house and they were all crowded into the living room and the kitchen area. And he said by the time they were inside, the storm had become so violent, the heavy rain was pounding against the tin roof the, the 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 rain was falling outside the wind was blowing even harder and it was the sky was so black you couldn't see much and and he said suddenly that house began to shake a little bit and then as the wind continued blowing the wooden floor of that little shack if you will started to buckle and as they looked around one corner of the house started to lift up and his aunt Seneva had all of the kids get up and hold hands with one another. And then like soldiers, she marched them over to the corner that was beginning to lift off the ground, hoping their weight would hold it down. A little later, another part of the house started to lift up. And so she marched all the kids over to that other part of the house. And they stood there. And he said for the next several minutes, back and forth, back and forth, they walked from one side of the house to the other trying to hold it down until the storm passed and everybody was safe. He indicated that for him, that experience became a metaphor for life, a metaphor for America, that if we hold hands and we're together, we can get through any storms that come our way. And he talked about how we had done that as a nation in the past. Well, brothers and sisters, we're in the midst of a storm today. There are, there are so many powerful, violent winds blowing in our country today, whether it's the, the unrest with, uh, with police and people of color, whether it's a political division and the nasty presidential election that is before us, whether it's COVID-19, the p pandemic and, 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 and the impact it's having on people's health and people's emotional health, the impact it's having on the economy and our ways of life. The winds are blowing. And yet the metaphor is true. And I, I want to say, I want to say to those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, that is the people of God, it is more important now, perhaps, than any time in our lives that we hold hands, that we unite together as the people of God, stay focused on Jesus Christ, on loving Jesus Christ, on serving Jesus Christ, on loving one another and serving one another. And if we do that, if we do that, we will make it through this storm, make it through this pandemic, make it through this new reality safe 
in the hands and the arms of Jesus Christ. My fear, my great fear as a pastor of a local church, as a preacher of the gospel, is that so many followers of Jesus Christ are beginning to isolate themselves. And I know that because of the pandemic, some people are having to isolate. But I'm talking about something more than that. I'm talking about how some people who love Jesus, who follow Jesus, have chosen to pull back. They've become so frustrated. They've become so discouraged. Maybe you're one of them. You've become so discouraged with doing things the way we have to do them now that you're isolating yourselves even more than you have to. And and there's risk in that. I, I've talked to some believers who are saying, well, until we can do things the way we used to do them, till we can get all of our Sunday school class back together on campus, all in the same room, until we can get everybody back in the worship service together and have the crowds we used to have, have the choirs and everything, do it everything the way we used, until we can get back to doing it the way we used to do it, I'm not going to do anything. And so they're isolating themselves. There are others who are saying, Pastor, I'm tired emotionally. I'm tired mentally. And I don't have the energy to keep going. don't have the energy to do more. I, I, I'm just too tired, Pastor. And so I'm just throwing up my hands and I'm, I'm, I'm giving up. I've heard people say, I've had enough of Zoom and FaceTime and other methods of technology that help us to connect with one another. It's just not the same as being in the same room and face-to-face. And I get that. I get that. And so they're saying, because I've had enough, I'm done with it. And the problem is, they're not replacing it with anything. They're not doing anything. And maybe that's you. And I need to say to you with a pastor's heart that if you are choosing, whether it's because of frustration, whether it's fatigue, whatever it is, if you're choosing to isolate yourself even more from the people of God, from relationships and connections with the people of God, you're putting yourself at spiritual risk and spiritual danger. Not just physical risk, but spiritual risk. I want to remind us. I want to remind us of how Christians, how followers of Jesus Christ feel about one another. We've been looking last Sunday and today in the book of Philippians. This is a letter that Paul wrote to believers in the city of Philippi in northern Greece, a church that he had started. When he writes this letter, he's in prison in Rome. But I want you to notice what he says to them in this letter. In chapter 4 of Philippians, verse 1, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, notice that, Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, In this way, stand firm in the Lord. And then he repeats that phrase again, my beloved, my beloved. I love the heart that comes through these words. The expression of Paul's love for the believers in the city of Philippi. He called them my beloved brethren, brethren. He recognized that they were his family and he was their family because of of their shared faith in Jesus Christ. They were brothers and sisters in Christ. And so are we. All of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, all of us who love the Lord Jesus, all of us who are disciples of his, we are brothers and sisters. We are brethren. We are family. And Paul called them his beloved brethren. In fact, in verse 1, he said it twice. He mentions it three times. He uses that phrase three times in this letter to the Philippians. And in all of Paul's writings in the New Testament, he uses that phrase, my beloved, 27 times because it expressed his heart for fellow believers, the way he felt about other disciples of Jesus Christ. 
And the word translated in our English Bibles, beloved, comes from the word agape, which is a reference to God's sacrificial love, God's great love. And he's saying here that his love for other believers and our love for one another as followers of Christ is an outgrowth of God's love for us and his love in us that we love one another with a God kind of love, a, a passionate love, a sacrificial love, a heartfelt love. Paul says that's the way we feel about one another. In fact, earlier in this letter to the Philippians, in chapter 1, verse 8, Paul said this. He said, With God as my witness, how I long for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. It's as though Paul was putting God on the witness stand. And he said, God knows my heart. And he knows that I love you with all the love, all the affection, affection of Jesus Christ and I want to see you and I know there are so many of you listening to me right now longing to see your brothers and sisters in Christ longing to be in a room with those that you used to be in a room with longing to shake somebody's hand to hug somebody to laugh with somebody and I understand you miss them and you miss those relationships. And I understand you can't do it today, particularly if you're at certain risk, the way we used to do it. But as I mentioned a moment ago, my fear as a pastor is that we're allowing our frustration with not being able to do it today the way we did it in the past to cause some of us to pull back and isolate ourselves and do very little, if anything, to intentionally connect with other believers. And there's danger in that. In fact, doing that goes against the very grain of what Paul is saying in this chapter. We are to love one another, long to see each other, and when we feel that way about one another, brothers and sisters, we find a way to connect. We may not be able to do it perfectly, may not be able to do it the way we would like to do it, may not be able to do it the way we used to do it, but because we love each other, we make a way. We find a way. And we will settle for a less than perfect way so that we can stay connected rather than throwing up our hands and saying, I give up. Love will not let us do that. We will be intentional and we will go out of our way to stay connected to one another. For years we've had a... Uh, a banquet in our church. Our deacons and our pastoral staff host all the widows and widowers in our church and we feed them a nice meal. We actually go and pick them up with our wives and we bring them to the church and, and we just have a special evening for them. Well, we couldn't do that this year. But we didn't give up. In fact, what we did was work with a local restaurant, had nice meals prepared, and our deacons and our staff took a meal to our widows and widowers and, and had a conversation with them, a sidewalk conversation, if you will, through the storm door. We wanted them to know they were not forgotten. We wanted them to know we cared and we loved. Love finds a way. Maybe it's not the same as having a banquet and a program, but you find a way to stay connected to the people of God. Our children's ministry recently provided to all of the families with kids in our church a bag that had supplies and information and it gave them four ways to show love to people in our community and as a result of that we've had young children taking potted plants flowers if you will to some of our widows and we've been seeing those 
photographs on Facebook and social media and we've gotten phone calls in the office from some of the widows who've had those flowers or those meals delivered to them because when you love people you find a way maybe it's not what you used to do but you find a way and I want to encourage you brothers and sisters whatever your circumstance to find a way even if it's different than the past to find a way to find a way to be connected to other believers and to stick with it to not give up Now, near the end of chapter 4 in Philippians, there are the usual greetings that ends Paul's letters. And in this one, I want you to notice in chapter 4, verse 21, he says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. In verse 22, all the saints greet you, especially those of the Caesar's household. Greeting is a very beautiful formal word in their language of greeting one another. And you can't do it unless you're connecting. You can't do it unless you're together. Now, I know we can't be together, all of us, in the ways we used to be. But we can still find ways. And I know Zoom isn't as, or FaceTime, it's not the same as being able to walk up and hug somebody and shake their hands. But brothers and sisters, it is better than ignoring them. It is better than isolating ourselves. It is better than not doing anything to greet any other believers. We are to greet one another, to reach out to one another, to connect with one another. And let me ask you, let me ask you a question. What are you doing to intentionally greet other believers? What are you doing to intentionally connect with other believers in your life? I know the fatigue is real. I know that we get tired emotionally and mentally because of COVID-19 and wearing masks and having to shelter in place and not being able to do all the parties and all the things we used to do. I know that. I understand that we get tired of Zoom and Facebook Live and and so on. I, I, I recognize that that we miss having church the way we used to have it, doing Sunday school the way we used to do it. I I understand. I I, I like hugs. I like hugs, and I I understand that we miss hugs and we miss handshakes and all of, of that. And that COVID nineteen has limited our gatherings and the way we can be together. I, and I get that we're sick of it. We're tired of it. I understand that. But my brothers and sisters. We cannot allow our fatigue with all of those things to cause us to pull back into a shell, cause us to pull back, to withdraw, and to isolate ourselves from other believers because the risk is real to our spiritual health, our emotional health, our mental health, and even our own physical health. We need each other to be spiritually healthy. And even if we have to do it differently, we need to be committed and be intentional about connecting, finding a way to connect with fellow believers. Recently, I bought a a smoker, a new smoker, and I've been smoking chicken and ribs and 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 best baked beans I've ever had. I, I, I fixed on that smoker, and I'll put the charcoal in there, and then I like to use the cherry wood, chunks of cherry wood, to add the smoke and the the flavor, and 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 it works beautifully. But I tell you what, if I if I reach in there with some tongs and I remove that piece of cherry wood from the charcoal that is beginning to burn and release its smoke, and I and I pull it out and I set that piece of wood over here by itself, eventually it stops burning. And it goes out. You are that chunk of wood. And the charcoal that's burning are all the other believers. 
And if you want to remain on fire spiritually, if you want to burn bright for Jesus Christ, you cannot pull yourself out from among the charcoal, out from among the fervor and the heat of all the other believers and isolate yourself over here all by yourself. It won't work because your spiritual fervor will eventually burn out will eventually grow cold, will eventually not work. It won't produce the smoke that flavors the meat. And if you want to make a difference in this world and make a difference in other people's lives and make a difference spiritually in your own life, you need to be intentional about maintaining connections with other believers, loving connections, spiritual connections, prayerful connections, connections around reading and discussing the Word of God. You need to be connected with other Believers, we all need it. There's that old saying that absence makes the heart grow fonder. And I guess as a married person, if you're away two, three days a week from your spouse and you're deeply in love, oh, you miss them and you can't wait to be home. But I've also been a pastor long enough and seen enough marriages fall apart to know that if you stay apart too much, you don't grow fonder, you grow colder, you grow apart. And in your life as a follower of Jesus, when you isolate and you pull back and you do that too much, you do that too often, you do that too long, you don't grow fonder, you don't grow hotter, you don't grow more in love, you grow colder. There's spiritual risk in doing that. And so, yes, we can't do everything the way we used to do them, but there are things we can do. And I have to be honest. This is a point in the sermon when I would love to have a group of fellow believers here and us have a panel discussion. I'd love to have some other believers in this room with me right now and ask them questions. What do you do to make Sunday morning worshipful and special in your house? I'd love to be able to have a conversation and ask them, what, what do you do to, to grow spiritually? How do you do your quiet time? And, and, and what are you doing to stay connected to other believers, to serve people, to serve people alongside other believers? I'd love to have a panel discussion like that so you can get some ideas and be encouraged. But I can't do that. It's a new reality. I'd love to do that, but I can't do that. But what I can do is share with you some of the things that I've heard people say they have been doing. So let me share with you just a handful of lessons that might encourage and help you. Here's number one. Here's some ideas. You need, and this is what I've been preaching about this morning, you need to make a commitment to connect weekly with a small group of fellow believers. Now, I'm not talking about just a large Sunday school class. I'm talking about a small group of fellow believers, five or six you know, if you're a woman, five or six women. If you're a man, five or six men. Or maybe if you're a young couple, two or three other, you know, other couples. A small group where you connect weekly. We, we have D groups in our church. It's our discipleship groups. And it's such a blessing to so many of us. I'm a part of two D groups that I facilitate. And one of them meets at 630 on Wednesday mornings. We had been meeting at Dunkin' Donuts. Can't do that anymore. So now we're meeting by Zoom. Another group had been meeting at lunch at the food court in the mall. Can't do that anymore. Now we're meeting by Zoom and we've changed our time to 8.30. So I have two groups on Wednesday mornings, one at 6.30 and one at 8.30. Just me and those guys. And we have been meeting weekly. And, and since March, we've been doing it by Zoom. And i got to tell you, it's been such a blessing in my life. Those guys have been faithful to our gatherings. They've been faithful. We, we, we read the Word of God every week. We have a reading plan, and then we discuss it when we get together on Zoom. 
and we, we're memorizing the Sermon on the Mount and we practice our memory verses. We pray for one another. We talk about what's going on in each other's lives and we pray there over Zoom for one another and we communicate with each other during the week. In fact, those men are praying for me right now as I'm preaching this sermon. I know that. I've asked them to and I know they are doing that. You may not be part of a, a D group. In fact, if you're a part of our family of faith, I encourage you when we start more groups in the months ahead that you'll join one of those groups. But you're not a part of one now. What can you do? Because you need to be connected with a small group of believers where you can share your heart, where you can talk about what's going on in your life. And it's not always easy to do that in a larger group. You can choose some other individuals and reach out to them and say, hey, can we get together every week? Whether it's spreading out in chairs under a shade tree or in someone's backyard or just getting on Zoom or face different, make it special. If your Sunday school class is still meeting by Zoom, meet with them. And I know it's not the same as being in a room. And I know you may be weary of it. But brothers and sisters, we don't know what the future holds or when we'll be able to do things any, in any way similar to how we used to do them. We don't know that yet. So do something. Don't allow, as I said last Sunday, fatigue to win. Don't allow your frustration and fatigue to defeat you and cause you to throw up your hand, throw in the towel, give up, because it will have devastating effects long-term in your life spiritually if you do. You be determined to seize this moment and meet with the people of God the best way you can. And then here's the third and final lesson. I want to encourage you to focus outwardly to focus outwardly. Find a way to serve someone. Find a way to do something to serve someone else every single week. Get your eyes off yourself, off your circumstances, off your depression, off your frustration, off your struggles, off your fears, and put them on the Lord Jesus Christ and on somebody else, on other people. Find a way every week to serve somebody this week my wife took a cheeseburger for lunch to a lady in her Sunday school class who had been in the hospital who had been sick men from a Sunday school class in our church recently built a handicap wrap for a woman in their class who had been having back issues and been in the hospital find a way our youth painted a house prayer walk your neighborhood just get out and walk your neighborhood and pray for all the people in those houses. Some you know and some you don't know, but pray for them and ask God to help you to meet the ones you don't know. Get your eyes off yourself and on other people as well as on the Lord Jesus Christ. So serve somebody. Focus outwardly and upwardly, not just inwardly. Focus outwardly. Do that. Make Sunday morning different. Make Sunday morning special. And be intentional about it. every week connecting with a small group of believers. It will make a difference in your life. Reach out to somebody and greet them. Reach out to somebody and say hi every week. And some of you, it would be good for you to simply pick up the phone. Call another believer every day. Just one believer a day. Talk with them. Pray with them over the phone. It would do wonders for your spiritual health, for your emotional health, for your relationships. I remember reading some research about 3,000 women who had breast cancer. And what they found was those women who had strong relationships with a lot of friends and their family were four times more likely to survive breast cancer than women who faced it alone 
in isolation with very few friends. We know from multiple research projects that that loneliness and isolation has negative emotional and mental effects, has negative physical effects on people's health. Same thing is true spiritually. You cannot allow anything going on in your life or in this world today to be the reason, to be the reason, to be the excuse for you to become more isolated from your fellow believers. You must do what it takes to find a way to connect. Even if you can't do it in the ways you would like, even if you can't do it in the ways you used to, even if the way you do it is not as good as ways you used to do it, you need those connections, so make them. Stay connected to the beloved. Stay connected to the beloved. Stay connected to your brothers and sisters. Greet one another in the name of Jesus Christ. God bless you, my brothers and sisters. Reach out to another believer right now.